This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevatechurch.com. Hey, it's, uh, it's the holiday season. Who's excited? Yeah. Me neither, me neither. Honestly, we're entering into probably one of the craziest, busiest times of year for so many. A time of year that causes stress, that causes anxiety. Like you can't drive up Peachtree, right, without your blood pressure, like raising. Thinking about Thanksgiving, thinking about family over, thinking about presents, right? It causes like your, your chest to get tight. It causes, you know, your, your maybe funds are tight. So what's meant to be, a season of joy, what's meant to be a season of peace on earth and good world toward men, what's meant to be, you know, a season of Ninas and Pentas and Santa Marias, I think, I don't know, maybe that's a different holiday, can for so many of us be a season of great stress and of great tension. And I want to submit today that it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, I can promise you with great certainty that God doesn't want it to be that way. That God didn't send Jesus to this earth, you know, for us to, to live in stress and in tension, but for us to live in hope and in peace and in joy. So I want to help us do that over the next couple weeks. But here's the thing. This is a tough topic. And this is why it's tough. Talking about stress is not tough because you haven't tried. Every single person in this room in some way, shape, or form has tried to alleviate some sort of stress in your life. And so it's not that you haven't tried, but the reality is the world has gotten busier, that more and more is being offered to us that compounds the stress that we have in our life. For example, Black Friday used to happen on a Friday, like no moss, right? Now Black Friday starts on Thursday at like 11 p.m. or 10 p.m., you know, then 5 p.m. I think this year it started yesterday um, in many cases. So, like, the world has gotten busier. Now there's, there's Black Friday, there's Cyber Tuesday, right? There's, there's free shipping Wednesday, there's Spend More Saturday. There's just more and more that we can be involved in. And not only that, but also you personally are doing more. Did you know that? You have gotten busier as well. I read an article that said this generation is going to work on average 120 hours more this year than the previous generation did. That means you're almost working almost 13 months within the same 12-month period. Like, we're doing more. I also read in that article that 80% of mothers feel an enormous amount of stress. And 70% of those mothers said that they are sleep deprived. Any mom wanna say amen? I know you are. So when it comes to stress, when it comes to tension that we feel in our life, what people really want are tips. 
You want ideas. You want to say, hey, Colby, give me some strategies. Give me some, some coping mechanism that I can put into place to keep the lifestyle that I am currently living. But I want to kick this thing off with this idea right here. That until we change something about our lives, all the coping mechanisms, all the strategies will never work. They won't help you at all. In fact, in order to stress less, you have to do less. Now, I know as soon as you see that, there's some pushback. And many of you are like, hold up. I can't possibly do less. You don't know, you don't know my life. There's nothing in my life that's not essential. There's nothing in my life that I can eliminate. And before you go down that path and want to check out, I'm just encouraging you to hang on. Because we're going to talk about those areas in our life. Because I think the truth is, it's just too much that we're doing too much. It's not all ever going to fit. You're never gonna get the things done that you want to get done with the amount of other things that we've added to our lives. So what stress management attempts to do is say, here's my life, here's all the stuff I want in it, make it fit. Here's my life, here's all the things I wanna do, and I'll just kinda somehow make it fit. But the reality is, it doesn't fit. And when it doesn't fit, it produces this feeling inside of you that you can hardly stand, that you can hardly live with because you're trying to make it all fit, but it won't. So that brings on stress and tension and anxiety. It's the reason you're irritable. It's the reason you're fighting. It's the reason you're staying up at night late, you know, sleepless. It's the reason you're making bad decisions. Stress is destroying our lives. I want us to look at this verse in Job and see if this isn't relevant to where you are today. He says, my days go by faster than a runner. I want you to get that, that picture of a runner, get that metaphor of a runner in your, in your head. In other words, you're running all over the place. You're running up Peachtree, you know, you're running to the grocery store, you're running to the mall. It's just the season of running around. My days are flying away without me seeing any joy. So what happens is all this physical activity is taking a toll on your soul. You're not seeing any joy as a result. You're running. Maybe you're doing it. Maybe you're, you're making things happen. You're getting it all done, but at what cost? You're running, but in the inside, you're all messed up. And so I wanna shed some light on that today, and I hope to bring a truth that really, I believe, can rescue your life, but it's gonna take some courage on your part. It's also gonna take God's help uh, for us to be able to implement it. And I wanna ask this question to get us started because I think understanding the why will help us gain a right perspective. So the question is this, why are we so busy? Why are we so busy? Why the pushback and you would say, Colby, there's nothing that I can eliminate from my life. Well, I think one of the reasons is because there's just too many choices. That's one of the reasons. Like, life was a whole lot simpler when there were 12 channels on TV, not 6,000, right? Life was a whole lot simpler before Netflix. Like, I'm the king, you can ask my wife, I'm the king of, hey, let's watch something on Netflix. So I'll open up Netflix, and I'll spend 20 minutes searching for what to watch and never watch anything at all. Like, life was a whole lot simpler, you know, when there was, it's just not as many choices. There's too many choices. Life was a, a lot simpler before video games. We didn't have video games growing up. We went outside and played in the dirt. 
How many of you played in the dirt? Yeah, yeah, that is soil outside of your house. And your house has these things on it called doors that you can use those to access the outside. That's why I tell our boys, get outside and play. Like we have too many choices. You can drive down Peach Street in a mile. One mile of driving down Peach Street, there's 70 different restaurants, I'm not even kidding. Like we're just too many choices. We're inundated with choices. Hundreds of different social media platforms for you to be involved in and engaged in. Just think there's too many choices. Another reason is because there's too much social pressure. Too much social pressure. And the truth is many of us are not living the lives that, that we want to live. We're living the lives that someone else wants us to live. We're living the, our lives that the, the school system wants us to live. We're living the lives that, that our, 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 our social media accounts want us to live, even if they're not real. We're living our lives, you know, that our sports teams want us to live. You, even, you could be living the life that the church wants you to live. Do you know that? The church has a tendency to over-program as well. I know some churches that they have something on the calendar every single night of the week. So we fight hard here to keep it simple because we know we can't do it all. There's too many choices, too much social pressure. Another reason I think we're so busy is because we believe the lie that we can have it all especially, and I'm not knocking you, the younger generation. Believe that we can have it all. We can do it all. We can have it all. And the reason you believe that is because we have things that are more accessible to us now, like more than ever. Like you can get things when you want them. You can get things right now. I want it and I want it now. You can have Coke delivered to your door within two hours in some cities. Coca-Cola, I need to clarify. Elevate Church, Coca-Cola. Like seriously, like if we want something now, we can have it. And this lie that we believe we can have it all, you know what it's produced? It's produced Americans spending over 117% of their income. Hey, that doesn't work. Like that is going to catch up to you. You can't live at that pace. You can't buy into the lie. We can do it all. We can have it all. And this, some of us are overestimating our abilities and guess what? It's gonna catch up to you. And what happens is it will end up costing you in the areas that matter most, in your family, in your marriage, in your relationships. It's gonna cost you. So what do we, what do, we do about all this? Well, I refuse to bring you a message that just gives you five strategies on how to manage the stress that you carry. Five, five strategies on how to navigate your already busy lifestyle because that won't work. The simple truth is it's not about keeping the lives that you have. Something needs to change. In order to stress less, we have to do less. So what I wanna do today is give you some principles that'll have uh, maybe some foundation that you're gonna have to buy into to really believe in these principles. And I don't think we can just have great strategies alone, but we have to have these, these principles. There's gotta be a change of our heart. But I also don't think a change of your heart is enough either. I think there needs to be some strategies in order to implement it. There needs to be some practices that go along with these principles. So we need both. You need a belief system, a change of heart, the principles to build your life on, but also a way to apply it. And so I'm gonna give you two different lists today. And the first list is something you need to buy into, that God really is offering you and me a better way to live this life to stress less. 
because we can't apply the practices, right, until we buy into these principles. So the first one, if you want to jot it down, is to have less of what doesn't matter, but more of what does. In order to stress less, we have to do less. We have to reduce our lives down to some minimums. And it's been said that the wisdom of life consists in the elimination of essentials, of the non-essentials. So in order for me to actually do that, in order for me to actually buy into having less you know, of, of what doesn't matter, I have to start believing that it's actually okay to have less. And that's a problem for many of us because we know that more is better, right? More's always been better. Less isn't better. More is better. If I have you know, $1, $2 is it's better, it's better. If I have one car, two cars are, come on, play along. I know it's early. Better, it's better. If I have one Krispy Kreme donuts, two Krispy Kremes are a warm-up. Because I'm gonna eat that whole dozen. You know I will. Just go down, they just keep going down. I love it. If, uh, if one kid is, is good, two kids are Ah, too much. There's a lot of hesitation. Somebody's like, I'm not falling into that trap. I'm not falling into that. If one wife is good, two wives is wrong. It's wrong. It's only for Solomon. I had a guy ask one of our professors at Asbury, he said, you know, why did Solomon have so many wives? And his response was, well, he just hoped by having so many that when he got home from work, at least one of them would be in a good mood. That's terrible. I'm kidding, ladies. We love you. Just one of you at a time. That's it. And let me prove to you that we have more and not less in our lives. We got more going on, a lot of more. Let me show, show you some statistics. If you're an American, you're going to eat out over the course of your life 14,411 times. You're going to eat out at restaurants. And... Get this, 1,811 of those will be at McDonald's. That's not better, all right? It's not bad. I could get down with some fries, I'm just saying. If you're an American, you're gonna spend 13 years and four months, 13 years and four months of your life watching TV. 13 years Hey, for those of you that say, I can't eliminate anything out of my life, yes, you can. Boop, right, turn it off, turn it off. You're gonna spend five years of your life waiting in lines. You're gonna spend one year looking for things that you've lost. <laughs> Some of you probably way more than that. You're gonna attend 35 weddings. You're gonna drive 627,000 miles, which is 25 times around the globe. Listen, we have plenty of time. It's just going to the wrong places. So what do we do? The Bible says, Ecclesiastes 4, 6, better is one handful with what so many of you are desperate for during this season. Peace, tranquility. Better is one handful of tranquility than two handfuls trying to do all that I can with toil and a chasing after the wind. So the first thing you have to do is buy into the belief that, hey, less is better. Less actually can be best. Having breathing room in your life is better. Having margin in your life is better. We don't live according to all the stuff that we can accumulate, but have less. Principle number two is it's better to live less by default and more by 
design. In other words, it's better for me to know what my life really is all about, what, what my race is all about. Think about that metaphor of that, that runner just kind of running around every place. If I don't know what the goal line is, if I don't know what the finish line is, all I'm doing is, is expending a lot of unnecessary energy. Um, hey, Bo, throw me that football. Oh, dang. He's got a gun. Actually, Bo, would, would you stand up, Bo? This is Bo. Everybody say hi, Bo. Come on up here, Bo. I need your help. You didn't know this part of it. Sorry, man. Sorry. I have to stand up here for Bo. Otherwise, if I stand down there, you're going to see how short I am, all right? Just saying, Bo's a tall guy. No, I'm going to get down here with you, Bo. All right, Bo. Stop laughing. Whatever, whatever. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm a giant on the inside. All right, Bo, this is what I need you to do. I need you to run a route, and I need you to catch this ball and make a touchdown. Ready? Set, go. Come on, Bo. All right, that's good. Right there. Let's go. Come on. Bo. All right, get back here. Get back here, Bo. Come on, come on. Let's do this again. That's not the touchdown. Come here, Bo. Give me that ball. All right, you ready? Set, hut. Let's go. Go there. Yeah. All right, make a touchdown. Bo. Come on, bring it back. Bring it back. Let's try that again. Set hut. Come on, just a quick little out, Bo. That's all I'm asking for. All right. Run, make a touchdown, Bo. <laughs> Bo, that's not the touch. Come here, Bo. Come on, come on, come on. Well, I'm going to give you one more shot at this, all right, Bo? Sorry, man. I don't, I don't mean to embarrass you. Here we go. Just easy little route. Try not to drop the ball. <laughs> Set hut. All right. That's good. All right, make a touchdown, Bo. <laughs> Bo. Come here, man. Come here. But what seems to be the problem? I don't know where the touchdown is. You don't know where the touchdown is? Well, I appreciate that, Bo. You can have a seat. Thanks, dude. Hey, if you don't know where you're running, if you don't know where your goal line is, all you're doing is wasting energy. And did you know there's so many people, in fact, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not a Christian, then you're not connected to the one who created you. So you have no idea what your design is, what your purpose is, what lane you should be running in. In fact, nine out of 10 even followers of Jesus don't know what their design is, don't know which direction they should be headed. So all you're doing is expending energy, running a route, running towards a goal line that, that might not even be your Goal. That's why we are passionate about something we call Crash Course here at this church. Crash Course is just a, a four-week journey where we help you discover your route. We help you discover what that goal line is. In fact, we just say, give us four weeks, not, not, not the Sundays for the rest of your life, four Sundays. In fact, this is week three of it called the Me I Was Born to Be. We'll feed you, we'll watch your kids, you'll take a spiritual gifts test, you'll discover how God has wired you and created you because you can't live the life that he's called you to live. You can't run in your lane if you don't know what your lane really is. That's why Psalm 139, 16 says this, all the days, all the days ordained for me were written in your book. Ordained means appointed, ordained means kind of um, sent out, you know, by, by God, like designated by God that you are holy, you are set apart, ordained for me, were written in your book before one of them came to be. Hey, your days 
God has already written down. He knows before one of them comes into existence. I think this is one of the greatest motivations if you're not a follower of Jesus. Like if there's a book about your life, wouldn't you want to know what's in it? Like wouldn't you want to connect to the the one who created you, who designed you, who wired you a specific way, a certain way? Like I would wanna know. I would wanna know it's better to live less by default, more by design, live intentionally. The third principle is this, less of more, write it down, more of right. What do you mean? Here's what I mean. It's better to do the right stuff, not just more stuff. Less of more, more of right. So first of all, you have to buy into the principle that I can be a one handful person, that it's okay to have less in my life and live with peace and tranquility. And then I have to believe that, that I'm, I'm designed to run a certain race. I have a certain goal line that God has given me to cross, and then ultimately I need to execute my life. I need to run that route, do the right things, not just more things. In other words, we need to stop measuring our lives by doing more and start measuring our lives by the right things. Proverbs 17, 24 says, an intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts in many directions. Now, I'm not calling Bo a fool. I wouldn't do that. He could kill me. He could kill me. But he's running all different directions, right? He doesn't know where he's going. We're aimed at, at the wrong thing. We don't know where we are. So what do we do? We buy into the principles and then we put them into practice. Now, that's what I really love about our church. Um, I grew up in a church where, you know, I was always told what I needed to change in my life, but never given the tools to do it. Like, I was always told that, you know, you got to change this and this and this and this about you, but never shown a way on how to implement it. And so I love practical Christianity. I love messages that will actually help you on Monday. We say that if, if the Sunday doesn't change your Monday, then the Sunday doesn't count. And I believe that. And so I want to help motivate you. And this is the verse that motivates the heck out of me. Hebrews 12.1 says, let us then have this, have this practice. Let us implement this strategy where we throw off everything that hinders and the sin, and this, this word sin, by the way, doesn't mean just all the nasty stuff in your life. It's not what it means. The word sin means you're just aimed at the wrong thing. You're missing the mark. You're not headed in the right direction. You're not running in your lane. You're not going towards the goal that, that you were intended to move towards. Let's, let's, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin, and if you don't, if you don't head the right direction, here's what happens. You get so easily entangled. So let us then run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. And again, if you're not a Christian, um, God wrote the book on your life. So you have a race. There is a goal, but you'll never make sense of your life until you connect to the God who created you. You'll never be able to run that race that's marked out for you, and I wanna help you. So again, I like practical messages and if you like practical messages, you're gonna love today. You're gonna love next week as well. If you don't, it's 10:14. We can call this an intermission and you can get up and leave right now. No one good, all right, here we go, here we go. I wanna give you three ways now then to implement, all right, this. Here's, I gave you the principles. These are the practices. And these aren't tricky. 
These aren't sexy. They're not worded, you know, all cute and stuff like that. It's just not. I'm gonna read these to you, and you're gonna be like, well, duh. And can I tell you something? The well, duh, is the easy part. Is getting it done that's difficult. So although you're gonna agree with these, it's gonna take action. And the first practice is this, evaluate often. Evaluate often. You have to stop and you have to take inventory of where you are. I like to think during this time of year, um, you know, or during anything about stress and worry that we're just in the, the jungle. We're like in the Amazon jungle, searching for how do we get out of here? And you get turned around, you get lost. So you, what you have to do is you have to climb up to the, the canopy layer, you know, and above and take a look. And that's what this is. This is evaluating where you are, evaluating your life. It's kind of what you're doing today. But can I quickly give you a better truth about what you're doing today? Like the Sabbath day? The Sabbath is not supposed to be, you know, I spent an hour in church. It's not what the Sabbath is. The Sabbath is a whole day. In fact, in Judaism, they, they practice it from, from dusk on Friday night to dusk on Saturday. And so it's this entire day. We don't, we don't work. We don't do anything. In fact, if you ever go to Israel, you'll, you'll see that they have um, the Sabbath Shabbat. They have Shabbat elevators, which, which will, during that day, during the Sabbath, hit every single floor. So they don't even have to push a button because pushing a button would be work. And so they'll just get on an elevator and just wait, and it'll go every single floor. And it's kind of funny when Americans and other people get on these elevators that don't know what's going on. I heard one lady, honestly, like she said, some kid must have been in here pushing all these buttons. No, you're in this Shabbat elevator. But can I encourage you, don't just do an hour of church. Like, man, at the very, at the very least, today, go home, take 15 minutes and evaluate. Take 15 minutes and ask this question, what am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? What am I doing right now that's not helping me cross the goal line? What am I doing right now right, that, that I'm just expending energy in the wrong direction. Ask this with your wife. Ask this with your family. What are we doing as a family, you know, that, that we shouldn't be? Are we doing the right activities? Build this into your life. And the, the powerful part of this is not the evaluation, is the often. It's often. Like, for most of us, we might do this once a year, the beginning of the year, all right, let's evaluate. Let's set some goals. Let's set some resolutions. Or you might do this when a loved one or a friend or family member passes away. But can I encourage you? Do it often. In fact, pray this prayer. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, that I have fewer days to live. My days are numbered and, and I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm not trying to be dramatic. And I, I know this is no one's life verse. Oh, Psalm 39, 4, that's my life verse. You know, it's all about death. But this is the reality. We're going to die. Hebrews 9 tells us that man is destined to die one time and then comes judgment. So remind me that my days are numbered. In fact, after today, guess what? Your number is one less than it was yesterday. My days are, are, are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. And so because of that, 
Can I just say evaluate, 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 do it often, do it often. Maybe you're here today and you think, I'm good, Colby, I'm good right now. And maybe you are, but if I know anything, life causes us to drift. Nothing stays in the place that you put it. So you need to evaluate your life often. Um, Wayne Cordero wrote a book uh, called Leading on Empty. And Wayne Cordero, I think he's a pastor of a church in, in Honolulu. Like that's rough right there, right? Hana stinking Lulu. Like how could you be stressed? But Wayne uh, was burnt out. He was experiencing tension and anxiety and stress. And so he wrote this book talking about the power of evaluation. And he recommends having these 12 dashboards in our life that we constantly look to. And you, you set these dashboards up and you grade yourself on where you are. Your dashboards could be about your family, your faith, your friendships. It could be your job, your work, uh, your travel, attitude, social media, health, all these things. You, you set them up. You decide what your dashboards for your life are, and then monthly you evaluate them, and you grade yourself. How am I doing in my family? How am I doing you know, with my, my health? How am I doing with my travel? You give yourself a grade, and then you write one sentence on how you're going to improve that grade, that area of your life. Can you think, like if you did this really every single month, how much better your life would be? I promise you, you would stress less. Is it worth, is it work? Yeah, but it's worth it, it's worth it. And then once you've evaluated, um, once you've climbed to the top of the canopy, right, and looked around where you are, it's always gonna require you to, number two, make hard decisions. Make hard decisions decisions. The truth is, most of us, many of us in this room are too people oriented to do this well. Because we would rather people like us than for us to do the right thing sometimes. And so here's where it gets hard. Here's where it's going to require you to maybe eliminate something from your life that you would even say you love. Eliminate something from your life that you like to do, that you enjoy, but it's not critical to getting you across the goal line. It's not critical to where you are. You're gonna have to say, hey, you know what? I really like that, but that's not needed. It's got to go. And here's the reality. Every single person in this room, you have at least one of these things. You have at least one. You're sitting there with two handfuls toiling. And if you would just let go of something, of one thing, I promise you one handful with tranquility, with peace is much better. Kristen and I, we established a, a rule in our house, and this, is, this probably won't make me popular with the middle school students or the high school students. I don't really care. No, I, I kind of care. I like you guys. Um, but, but the parents might like this rule. And we just, we just decided, here, let me put it this way, everything that I ever did that I shouldn't have done happened when I was in middle school and high school, and I was quote unquote, spending the night at a buddy's house. Okay, everything. Everything in my life that I did that I shouldn't have done happened when I was spending the night. My first cigarette, spending the night. Mom, I'm gonna spend the night. My first drink of alcohol, spending the night. My first look at a magazine that I shouldn't be looking at, I was spending the night. First stolen car, spending the night. I'm kidding, kind of. It was borrowed. That's a long story. I can't tell you that right now. Long story. So we just made a decision, a rule in our house. 
hey, you know our boys? It was easy for us. You ain't spending the night. Like, you're just not gonna spend the night. Growing up, you, you wanna hang out with those guys? That's fine. You wanna go over to their house, they're having a sleepover? You can stay till midnight, one o'clock. I will come get you, but you aren't spending the night. We just had to make a hard decision, a hard choice. And I would encourage you uh, to try this on for yourself. If you wanna learn to say no, you will trade popularity for respect. Hey, it's okay to say no. It's okay to say no. I, I know it's hard, but it's okay. You have to learn to say, I, I don't care about being popular. You know, I, I wanna do the right thing. I don't know what that is for you, but I do know it will be hard. I do know it's gonna take some hard decisions. The Bible says, Psalm 90, 12, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are, but here's the key. So help us to spend them as we should. In other words, God, I need your help to do this because on my own, it's easier to say yes. On my own, it's easier just to do what everyone else is doing. So we make hard decisions. As parents, just for, for our boys, for our sports teams, hey, we'll play the sport, but the additional tournaments and all that that just run into the summer, we're not gonna do. We'll be on the, the, the football team, but the special teams banquet that you wanna have, you know, during the, the school week at night, listen, we're not gonna do. We'll send food, we'll support it, that's great. We'll be at the things that, that are required of us, but the additional stuff, we're just not going to do. We're sorry, we can't do it all. And I get the pushback, just like you will, you know, from your little ones. My boys will say, hey, Dad, but I love hanging out with so-and-so but I love spending time with Jimmy. I love spending time with, with, with Tim or whoever. And I'm like, that's great. Well, then invite them into our world because we're not gonna create another one for them. We can only live in one world at a time. And so I don't know what it's gonna be for you, but I know as you climb up to the top of the canopy, as you look around and you evaluate, it's going to mean making some hard decisions. Hard decisions. Are you guys okay out there? You okay? I got two choices in bringing you messages like this. Like one is to, to, to tell you some things that, that you like to hear, that maybe you wanna hear, but aren't that helpful? The other choice is to tell you some things that I think are uncomfortable, but are critical to your life. That will help us, that will rescue us, that will keep us focused on what matters. You need to have that time of evaluation. You need to have that time of elimination, and it's gonna be hard and then a time of execution, practice number three, focus on what matters most. Focus on what matters most. In other words, fix your eyes on the prize. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing things that don't matter. Like, I do things that don't matter all the time. There's nothing wrong with doing things that don't matter. Here's the key, just don't do them first. Don't do them first. Like, first, you better make sure you're doing what matters most. Now, as a follower of Jesus, like we get to take this to a whole other level because you have a God-given design. That the idea that you have to live your life on purpose, and um, Jesus, by the way, only gave one message, one sermon on stress or on worry, and this is what he says, his conclusion in Matthew 6, that we need to focus on what matters most, so we gotta seek something first. Seek first his kingdom. Do the thing that matters first. So at the end of the day, do stuff that doesn't matter. Everyone needs to do things purely just for fun. Just don't 
do them first. Kristen and I, pretty much every night when we get our kids to bed, like we will binge watch things on Netflix or on Hulu. We have shows that are entertaining, they don't matter. We have shows that we like to watch that are just kind of fun and interesting, but we don't do them first. We don't wake up Monday morning as our kids are getting ready for school, hey, let's watch The Blacklist, right? We don't do that. Can't do that. You need to prioritize. You need to do what matters first in your life. So the question then becomes what matters, right? All right, Colby, then what matters? Well, I think you need to have a filter through which you answer that question. I think a really good filter is this right here. Ask yourself, will what you're doing today matter 100 years from today? I think that's the best grid That at the end of the day, the decisions that you make, maybe the things that get you mad, maybe the things that you spend your time on, the things that spend your money on, will it matter 100 years from today? So with that being the grid, can I give you just my opinion on what matters the most? God. God matters. Hey, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, there will come a day whether you believe it or not, you're gonna stand face to face with God. The Bible tells us that one day every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That's gonna happen. And so God matters. If you don't believe it, it doesn't, doesn't change it. That's, that's gonna happen. Your life will end. Jesus told a story about this. There was a rich guy who came along and a, a bunch of people were with him and they put, put a bunch of stock in things of the earth, things that, that they thought mattered, stuff that they accumulated. In Luke 12, 15, Jesus said to them, hey, you gotta watch out for that. You gotta be on guard against all kinds of greed because a man's life doesn't consist in football, doesn't consist in your cars, doesn't consist in in your, your jobs, your popularity, your status. That's all, that's all great. Follow the football teams. I love it. I love it. Do it, but it's not what matters. Do it. They're great, but watch out. Man's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And so there was pushback from these guys. They said, hey, we're going to do it anyway. We're just going to build bigger things so we can store bigger stuff. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who's gonna get what you've prepared for yourself? And this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. Can I encourage you? If nothing else, be rich towards God. Find out what matters. The most important thing in your life is not that you just have a list, but it's that God is at the top of that list. Hey, because if God's not at the top of that list, can I be real honest with you? Then he's not really on the list. God does not want second place in your life. He does not want to be just a part of this list. It's all or nothing. If he's not the Lord of all, he's not the Lord at all. And the people that that say, Jesus, you know, you're the Lord of my life. Like, uh uh-uh, you're at the top of my list. Those are the people that are saved. It's not the people that go to church. It's not the people that read their Bible. He wants to be, he has to be at the top of your list. That's why Paul said, but whatever was to my profit, all the stuff that I thought was so awesome, right? Krispy Kremes, which are awesome. Football, cars, all that stuff, I now consider a loss for the sake of knowing Christ. And what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, 
for whose sake I've lost all things. And then he even says, I consider it garbage compared to knowing him. And I just wanna encourage you, if you've never taken that step and really made him the Lord of your life, put him at the top of your list, I promise you, your life will be better. I promise you. The second thing I say that absolutely matters because it's the only thing that lasts forever are people. See, everything else on this earth is going to burn, but people last forever. They are eternal. In fact, it's the most important thing in your life, and I can prove it to you. Um, No one in this room can tell me the last three messages that I preached, and they were phenomenal. They were all awesome, by the way. Just kidding. But you can tell me 10 people who have impacted your life, good or bad. Because you are the sum total of your relationships. You've heard that, you know that. You are the result, you're the direct result of the people that you have in your life. That's why the Bible sums all this up in Galatians 5, 13. In this single command, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love people. People matter. And if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Jesus said, this is the focus. This should be the focus of your life. Above all, love people. People matter. And can I just say during this time of year, you need to take this to heart. If you wanna stress less, focus on what matters. People matter. Your family matters. Your relationship matters. Like serving, being in a group, being together with people matter. We talk about serving. We talk about being in groups. And it's not it's never so that you do something. I hope you understand that. It's so that you become something. You become known by others. You become loved. You become cared for by others. You're being prayed for with each other. You're surrounding yourself with people. Join a group and get involved with, with people. Otherwise, what happens is a person standing alone can be attacked, defeated. But two, however, can stand back to back and can conquer. You know what? Man, it sounds way better to be a conqueror than being defeated. So find some people. People people matter. People matter. And the last thing that matters is eternity. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. But when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had to buy that field. See, it wasn't his field. It didn't belong to him, but he found something of value. He found something of of real meaning. And once he found that, like he sold everything so he could buy that field. Here's what I wanna ask you. What's what's that field? What's that field? What's, What's so valuable to you that you would sell everything to buy that field, in my opinion, it's anything eternal. It's anything that will actually last. Is what you're doing gonna make a difference 100 years from now? That's why I say make the most of the life that you have. Like focus on what what really matters. If you wanna stress less, don't worry about more, but actually focus on, on less. Make the most of what you've been given. So here's what I want us to do. I want you to bow your heads. And not, not, not looking around, not ready to go. I just have a couple questions I wanted to ask you right where you are. This is our time. This really is our moment. You might not have another chance 
this week with all that's going on in your life to just take a few minutes to reflect, to take a few minutes to ask God, climb the canopy right now with all that you have going on, family coming into town, shopping to do. Can we just for a moment pause, climb up to the top, and ask God, am I doing what I should be doing? Am I doing the right activities? Hey, are we as a family putting our energy where we should be putting it right now? So just ask God the question. He'll, he'll let you know. He'll speak to your heart. All right, you got your answer. Here comes the hard part. What's the tough decision I gotta make? God, with your help, with your Holy Spirit, with, with the courage that you can only give, you haven't given me a spirit of fear, right, but a power and love and a sound mind. So what is that sound mind decision, that hard decision that I need to make that's gonna get me to where you want me? that's gonna get me across that goal line, that's gonna help me run the race that's marked out for me. Because you can spend so much energy running someone else's race. You can spend so much energy, you know, running in different directions. But God, what's that, what's that goal line? What decisions do I need to make to get there? And then with your help, God, the third thing, just give me the strength to do it. Help me to focus on what matters most. Now, as we're praying, maybe you're here today, and the most difficult part of all this for you is that you have no idea what God wants for your life. You have no idea the race marked out for you because you've never connected to the one who created you. Maybe you've thought about it, maybe you've put him on your list, but he's not at the top of your list. He's not really the Lord over all of your life. I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. And I need you to know that Jesus died for you so, not, so that you wouldn't have to run in, in multiple directions, but you could run in one. Run straight towards him. Jesus gave his life at the cross and as we run to him, he gives us direction, he gives us purpose, he gives us eternal life with him. And so today, that's the decision that some of you need to make. You need to connect your heart to him. The way we do it is through prayer. And I wanna invite you to pray a prayer with me that does just that. And if you'd say, Colby, today, I'm gonna put him at the top of my list. I wanna make him not just, just part of my life, but I'm gonna make him the center of it. I'm gonna make him first in my life. I'm gonna confess him as Lord and Savior. I wanna say thank you for dying for me. And I'll surrender my life to him. If when I pray that prayer with you, you pray it with me today, can you just raise your hand right now? I wanna see who's praying that. Be bold about it. To just hold it up high. Just kind of an act of surrender. God, I'm praying this. That's awesome. That's awesome. Stretch it out. Amen. 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 Pray this with me. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. Jesus, today, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I can't do this on my own, and I'm sick of trying. So Jesus, I wanna say thank you for dying for me. I wanna say thank you for forgiving me of my, my sin, for missing the mark. So today, I trust you with my life. 
and I'm gonna make you the first. I'm gonna make you priority. You're at the top of my list. Thank you for dying for me. And from this moment on, I'm gonna live for you in Jesus' name, amen. Church, can you just celebrate with those around you today that made the best decision of their life? Awesome, awesome. Praise God for you guys. We're always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevatechurch.com.